Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Wildcats Radio. This is your host tonight, Nick Pollock, here breaking down everything to do with Northwestern football. And I'm joined once again by my co-host, Matthew Filipovitz. Matt, how Wildcat are you feeling tonight? I am feeling 10 out of 10 Wildcat. I've been thinking of what to call the episodes where it's just you and me, because you are in Seattle and I am in Florida. We're probably two of the farthest away of anybody who does a podcast like this. So I'm thinking maybe RLR coast to coast, RLR continental. We're spanning okay. the whole continental U.S. What are you thinking? Any ideas? We're we're like the airplane conference of podcasts. I like it. I like it. Airplane, good movie, <laughs> and a great potential conference that never came to be. Very true. Do you know? Do you know about the airplane conference? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I was trying yeah. to play it off. What so, is it? all right. So I'm gonna pull it up while you're while I'm talking here, but the airplane conference, by the way, uh, somebody that we, some of us used to work with at SB nation, uh, Matt Brown, different, different Matt Brown than the Matt Brown you're probably thinking of, um, wrote a really cool book about college football. What ifs, and one of the big one ifs in college, what ifs in college football history was this idea for something called the airplane conference, which would have included, let's see, where's the full list here. The New York jets, the Winnipeg jets. (laughs) It would have it. The proposal was, Notre Dame, Army, Navy, Pitt, Syracuse, Penn State. Um, and then there were some other mentions of Duke, Georgia Tech, Houston, West Virginia, Miami, uh, Penn, Holy Cross Collegiate. Basically, it would have been like a tr- like a coast-to-coast conference. Kind Interesting. Of. I would like to see it. I do. I thought I remembered USC. Oh, no, USC declined. Okay. But regardless, yeah, that's the airplane conference. A little quick Hmm. college football history lesson for you. Um, So Matt and I are here tonight to discuss um, all the wonder that is the Penn State versus Rutgers matchup. Um, Kind of. We're going to talk about it for a little bit, and then we're going to go talk about other more fun things because this is not a fun game to talk about. Uh, Rutgers is going to be visiting number 10 Penn State. We'll talk about that number 10 ranking in a few minutes here. Um, Rutgers, 2-9 on the season, 0-8 in the Big Ten. Penn State, obviously, 9-2, and 6-2 and in the Big Ten. Tickets apparently are available for as low as $10. You don't see that every day at Beaver wow. Stadium. Um, according to the little AccuWeather here, AccuWeather thing here on ESPN, it says it's going to be 35 degrees with a rainy, snowy mix which sounds about right. The most state college forecast you can imagine. Sounds about right for Saturday, November 30th at in-state college, Pennsylvania. Um, Really, there's not a whole lot to say about this game, Matt. It's it's, Penn State is favored by, last I looked, it was, yep, 40.5. This should be, this should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, this should be a, this should be a really fun game. Uh, I know Dan has his red shirt report ready to come out uh, by the time people listen to this on Wednesday thanksgiving eve uh so it'll be really exciting to see what guys what young guys they're ready to turn to and see who can uh who can make some plays after the uh the game gets kind of out of hand early on so should be a fun one for looking ahead to 2020 and to the bowl game yeah and i think really the only interesting storyline here for penn state is going to be who plays quarterback i think the kind of the prevailing thought amongst fans is if clifford's not healthy why bother just give Will Levis a chance to kind of go out with a full go out with a full game. He definitely sparked enough interest and intrigue from the fans with what he was able to do against Ohio State. He was, I mean, what he was able to do was also very limited. But I, I agree that it'll be interesting to see him in a full game. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see. And then uh, on a senior day note, and on like a, just you know like a cool moment, mo- Michael Schuster. It is his senior day. A guy who walked on 
Uh, it'd be fun to see him get some run as a backup. Uh, I know Roberson and Michael Johnson, their red shirts are secured, so maybe we'll see them get some run. But uh, it should be fun just to see some... Uh, I think we can all agree one of the coolest moments of the season was Nick Yuri's touchdown. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we can get some more cool moments like that in what should be a blowout of the second worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, on the Rucker side is worth mentioning. Isaiah Pacheco is a dude. He's a great football player. Um, he deserves to be somewhere else other than Rutgers. He's, he's a legitimately good running back, and it's unfortunate that he's stuck there. Maybe he'll transfer. Who knows? Speaking of transfers, we will talk about Justin Shorter in a bit here. Um, that that's kind of it when you're talking about Rutgers. I mean, if if you if you want to expand a little bit the story of their season, they beat UMass forty-eight twenty-one. Um, what they gave man, twenty-one points to UMass? That was like U, week one, UMass. Right? U, it was UMass. Really had a chance to be uh, a a big. They they had a chance to secure third from last in the Big Ten this year if things had broken correctly. Um, but yeah, they beat UMass week one, went on a one, two, three, four, five, six game losing streak to Iowa, Boston College, Michigan, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota. In those games, they scored 0, 16, 0, 7, 0, 7. They beat Liberty 44 to 34. Oh yeah, I they, forgot about that game. <laughs> and then they lost, they lost to Illinois 38 to 10. They lost to Ohio State 56, 21. They lost to Michigan State 27, nothing. One two three four in five games this year Rutgers has been held under 100 passing yards in one two three of those they have been held under 50 passing yards against Indiana oh goodness against Indiana Johnny Langdon that may have been his first game starting can I guess the passing yardage please do 16 against Indiana Johnny Langdon, let me let me expand this out here. Against Indiana, Johnny Langdon was five of thirteen for one yard. Oh what? Yikes. He had a long of four. Wow. Oh good. Wow. Yeah, Rutgers is uh Rutgers is Joe Bad. And um as somebody who does mess boards every week, no Rutgers mess board post has been about this game. It's all been about <laughs> who's gonna be their next head coach. So I could tell you how in- much interest is in this game from both fan bases. Like I, I, I totally get that there. Are, I totally get that there are reasons to be upset. Well, no, I don't agree that there are reasons to be upset with Penn State's re- season. I think there's some reasons to be disappointed. But how you can actually like look someone in the face and say that what James Franklin is doing is failure, or what this Penn State team has done is a disappointment? Can I when... rattle off a hot take here? Yes, please. I think this has been the best season under James Franklin. The best season under James Franklin. They've had the best losses to a generationally talented Ohio State team and to a Minnesota team currently in the middle of their best season in the past 75 years, and they were both on the road. They didn't have that bad letdown. 2016 was magical, but I think looking back on it, that probably doesn't happen most years, so that's why that that one just seems better. But I think top to bottom, this has been James Franklin's best team. I, you know, I hadn't actually thought about that before. I think that's something that we should definitely dive into more when we are kind of in that limbo time between the last regular season game and the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, no, that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. I, I think, I, I think compare, I compare everything through the lens of is this team as good as 2017? And they may not be as talented overall, but their losses are better. They are. I, th- they have a more, they have a more consistent defense this year's team. 
which is, I mean, if you had said that a week or two ago, <laughs> you probably would have had half the Penn State fan base screaming at us for it. But I, I think I'm, I think that what the kind of the height of what the 2016 team was able to do probably trumps. Oh, I don't know because that defense that was a little shaky too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put that's that a, that's put that conversation aside. I'm just gonna aside, put it yeah. out there. I, I think this is this has been the best season under James Franklin, and I know that's yeah. controversial, but the the expectations were a lot higher. But if you take a step back and look at everything objectively and just pick out, like if they're lined up and you have no context of what year it is and you look at the losses and the wins and you tell me which one's the best season, I think everybody's picking this one. I I look forward to diving into this, diving into that more. That's a very interesting, interesting thought. Um, We don't need to preview that's anything all else. The, that's all the interesting <laughs> thoughts we're going to have the rest of this podcast. We... We're about to dive into a wormhole. <laughs> we don't need to preview anything else about this game. Um, score prediction? But go, give me a score prediction, yeah. Um, bah, 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 it's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. Give me, uh, give me the Lions, fifty-two, Rutgers, nine. I three I'm safeties and a field goal. I'm feeling fifty-six-zero. Okay. I I don't think Rutgers is going to score. I think the like you alluded to those the young Penn State freshmen that haven't gotten a chance to play because they've been holding onto their red shirts. Um, I think those dudes are going to come out with their hair on fire and even against Rutgers. Um, highly touted freshmen who haven't played all year are still more than enough. I feel like Will Levis might get like 80 yards rushing. Yeah, that could very well be a thing. I want to see him throw it more than 10 times. I want to see him actually air it out a little bit. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get the start because there's no reason I would, to play Sean Clifford. I, I have no information to go off that, but if we're just speculating, I, I would imagine that Sean Clifford is going to be on the sideline, as he should be. Heal up, get ready. It should be a, a really fun bowl game, especially with how the rankings shaked out. The only thing I want from this game is a just fully uncorked, like 70 yards in the air, deep ball from Levis to Dan Chisena, who is has gained 30 yards of separation on his defensive back by that point. I want uh, Joseph Darkwa to play and beat somebody. <laughs> if you don't already, please follow Joseph Darkwa. If you don't know who that is, he's the, uh, he's the German defensive tackle. Penn State got in its latest class. His Instagram is fantastic, and I want the world for him. He, he he should be a fun one. Um, yeah. So Penn State, Rutgers. It's uh, happening. 12, 12.30 kick. I bl- I'm going to go ahead and assume that extra half hour is to account for. Oh, no. 3.30. I'm looking at Pacific Coast time. 3.30. That's why. 3.30. 3.30 kick. All of yeah. over here. 3.30 kick. Broadcast on Big Ten Network. Everybody's favorite network. Um, so moving on, let's let's quickly go into. Let's let's talk about Justin Shorter yes. for a second here. Um. We are recording this on Tuesday, Justin Shorter, uh, around midday today on Tuesday. It was announced that he put his name in the transfer portal. In the just middle before. of James Franklin's press conference. In the middle of James broke. Franklin's press conference. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And I, I I maintain that it's it's fascinating timing, being that he, uh, unless it was just sort of a uh, a delayed thing where he put his name in the portal last week and we just didn't find out about it until now. It's it's interesting that this is the timing after he had pretty much taken his starting job back. I mean, he outsnapped Dan Chisena by an over two to one ratio, and he had three catches against Ohio State. He was really the only he was the only receiver to find any success outside of Pat Fryermuth. So uh, the timing is interesting. Um, important to remember that just because he's in the transfer portal does not mean he is surely gone. Yes. Lamont Wade put his name in the transfer portal uh, last offseason and obviously is now an irreplaceable player on this defense. As did um, Cam Sullivan Brown. 
as did Cam Sullivan Brown. Um, there are a number of players who put their name in the transfer portal that did leave. Uh, but Matt, what are your thoughts on Shorter putting his name in there? I think it's, I was really confused when it happened, especially with one game to go. Uh, usually I think we see if it happens, it's going to happen either after the bowl game or in between now in the bowl game. Um, so I, 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 I honestly think he's going to stay. I, I would be really surprised if Justin Shorter went up and left. Um, I, I don't know. Everything about this just seems very bizarre to me. The timing's weird especially after we just took a starting spot back. Uh, your comment about it being maybe delayed is interesting, that maybe after Chisena got the start, that rubbed some things the wrong way and he put his name in the transfer portal. But there's a lot of layers to this because obviously if KJ Hamler goes pro, that should mean more opportunities for Shorter next year. So the fact that Shorter's looking at leaving, does that mean KJ Hamler's leaning towards coming back? Uh, does that mean James Franklin's considering the USC move, if that's... <laughs> something you want to you want to get into there's a lot of layers to this especially with just how the timing shook out so i, I i'm really curious I, I don't think he's gonna leave i don't know why but i just don't think this early on in this kid's career especially with how like like you said he is playing a lot more snaps he's not getting the ball thrown to him and i think that's something they can work out in the offseason and for how much exposure you can get at penn state especially on a penn state team we all expect to be as good as it's going to be next year there's a lot of value in him sticking around so I, I, I'm I'm sure I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm sure he's he, he's true about leaving, but I, I there's a lot of a lot of layers to this that I'm really curious to watch shake out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's a it's a very um it, this what I'm about to say is it does not hold a lot of <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. What 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 this it, is going like to say? Hard wine to tow to, to try to take get, take. Take what I say with a lar- large grain of salt here. From when I used to care about recruiting, um, when I used to cover recruiting, I went to the I went to the Nike the opening regional camp in New Jersey for this class of 2018 when Justin Shorter was a recruit, and I got a chance to talk to him there. Probably one of the just nicest and seemingly most genuine. Again, grain of salt because these guys had to talk to a lot of reporters when they were in high school, and who really knows what what they were like on their own with their friends, what, uh, whatnot, obviously they could just be great, great at talking to media types, but just seemed incredibly genuine, seemed to, re- Oh, sorry. Hit my, hit my headphones against the speaker there. Just seemed really excited about getting to Penn state. Uh, I mean, part of it was seemed that he was pretty nervous talking to reporters. So that was obviously a little, a little endearing as well, but just a really, just, just a really seemed driven kind kid did definitely did not strike me as the type who would, give up as many fans have insinuated because he lost his starting role so i'm ju- I'm just curious if he does transfer if there's if there's something else some other reason why um that's a lot of speculating i'm not going to dive any deeper into that but certainly something to keep an eye on um, are you leaning towards him leaving or are you leaning towards this being like an exploratory thing I, I i do think the transfer portal has created this misconception that people are transferring more often this was all going on before it was public in the transfer portal yeah this was i i guarantee you Saeed blacknell did this i i don't have any proof of that but i would imagine somebody in a similar situation went through something like that i i, I would have to imagine happened prior and with the transfer portal being as public as it is we just know about it now so, i think it i think at this point in time i would guess he stays just because it's so early but he's such a big name and was such a big name in the recruiting world and comes with so much uh such a great pedigree that I, he's not going to be short on options. People are going to want him, so I think it will it will be a fight for Franklin to keep him. And I don't know, maybe who knows? Maybe it does have something with he's worried he might leave and a contract extension or something like that would kind of be a big a big boost to him coming back. But um, 
Who and knows? Do you read anything into KJ Hamler coming back from this? No, I don't. I I, I don't think this has any bearing on that, honestly. Interesting. I think yeah. I think it counts for something. But it could. time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, I'm still not really sure where I stand on whether I think Hamler will or should come back, but uh, we'll hold on to that one for for pre bowl game talk as well. We 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 got to save some of this content. We we that's a lot of it's a lot of time to fill between that I, and the it, off season. No disrespect to Rutgers or disrespect to Rutgers, but this just feels like the season's over and let's get to the bowl game. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, and then the last bit of news we'll talk about before we answer a couple questions here: the playoff rankings. Uh, Ohio State Heck moved yeah. back. Ohio State moved back to number one. LSU moved down to two. That I mean, the dynamic that of that me. it makes no sense. It's there. There's nothing. I mean, go back three weeks ago when Ohio State was number one and LSU was two. LSU beating Alabama. Like if you thought Ohio State was the best team in the country then, and all they did was go out and annihilate Rutgers and Maryland, why did LSU beating someone that they were expected to beat? mean like what made why does that make them more impressive than the team that you already had number one but regardless it's it's a it's a fool's errand to try to figure out why the committee does what they do because it changes week by week but Ohio State number one from this is that Penn State's better than Bama in the committee oh, man that's what I'm taking they, away from it they love Penn State Ohio State one LSU two Clemson three Georgia stays at four somehow they're terrible Alabama well I shouldn't say that. their defense is amazing their offense is like John Donovan-ish. Number five, Alabama. Number six, Utah. Number seven, Oklahoma. Number eight, Minnesota. Nine, Baylor. Ten, Penn State. Way to to jump like five spots after beating a terrible Texas team. Yeah, good Good for for them. Uh, Penn State uh, barely moves down, goes to 10, followed by Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Oregon, Auburn, Notre Dame, and really nothing after that is worth mentioning here. I I set out on Twitter to kind of craft my my doomsday scenario that gets Penn state back into this conversation. And what I came up with, I, th- I feel like I can get him to number five or six pretty easily. If Oklahoma were to lose to Oklahoma state this week, totally reasonable rivalry it's game. It's Oklahoma state can score. Oklahoma state's ranked number 21. They can score. Chuba Hubbard's great. If they were to lose to Oklahoma state and then beat Baylor, I think both those teams end up behind Penn state. Totally fair. I think if Wisconsin beats Minnesota this weekend, Minnesota obviously drops behind Penn State. Wisconsin might jump Penn State for the week, but then assuming they lose to Ohio State, they would shoot right back down. Um, Utah, I mean, it's really easy to see the scenario where Oregon beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship. That that's, I mean, that's almost that that's just Pac-12 religion at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if Utah would drop below Penn State in that scenario. That's that's kind of the only holdup here. And then the other holdup, um, if well, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a holdup. If Auburn beats Alabama, if if the committee is serious about how much stock they put into the eye test, and Alabama gets beat by Auburn with Mac Jones, I I don't know. I feel like they could they could fall hard and fast. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I could see that that would be absolutely insane. I will. Add another layer to it. If Oregon State beats Oregon this week, and then Oregon beats Utah, <laughs> that would be awesome. That's what I'm talking about. One day, Oregon State's gonna do it. They're, they've gotten a lot better. They're gonna do it at some point. Yeah. Soon. Well, uh, what's their coach's name? Is it Justin Smith. Um, ju- uh, it's not Justin Smith. I'll look it up real quick. He Oklahoma. has a legitimate case for Coach of the Year. Five wins. He is does. Hard. I think Oregon State's the hardest pa- uh, Power Five job, and he got him to five wins easily. Could have had six. Jonathan last week. Smith. Jonathan, Jonathan Smith. Smith. I believe I believe he was the former. Yeah, he was the offense coordinator at Washington. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is very 
deserving of coach of the year, even if they do only go five and seven. So yeah, he's for, done a he's done Oregon a great State. job. Beat Oregon and cause chaos. Um, and then the last stuff in my master plan would be LSU just just doing horrible, unspeakable things to Georgia, which I feel like is probably going to happen because LSU's weakness is their defense. Georgia's not scoring on them. Georgia yeah. can't score on anyone. That's true. So, you know, it's really not that hard to see the scenario where Penn State jumps back into, like, the six range. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, all right. So let's look at some questions here. Um, we, we asked for questions um, on the Twitter account, and you guys actually did a pretty good job of tossing some in here for us about thanksgiving about football i had to avoid mm-hmm. asking questions because i love to ask questions whenever we tweet this out and they're always about like the muppets or scooby-doo we didn't it. get it we we didn't get enough northwestern questions oh wait there it is okay would you rather watch a Rutgers versus Rutgers game or a northwestern versus northwestern game <laughs> who sent this question <laughs> this is from noah kretchel kretchel you, you madman sorry if i put you in your last name but you're you madman <laughs> oh god this is a great question and he, there's a second part to it too, but let's focus on this first part too. I think what I, would I rather watch? I'd, I'd rather watch the Rutgers game. Yeah, I think I'd rather watch the. I, I, I've become, I've become a, a tiny Northwestern fan, so I think I would. <laughs> well, I, if Northwestern plays Northwestern, Northwestern would have to win, and that would go against everything I believe mm, in. So I'm going to go. This Rutgers. is true. And also, th- just thinking about entertainment value. If you watch Northwestern versus Northwestern game, who's the best player you're watching? Pat Fisher. Pat Patty Fisher. I was going to say Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. Oh, man. Can you imagine the mental gymnastics that Pat Fitzgerald would do coaching against himself? Do you think if Pat Fitzgerald like just put on a helmet right now and went out there, he would get more than five tackles? Hmm. Against Northwestern? Yeah, against Northwestern. I love that this is where we go. (laughs) If it's against Northwestern, absolutely. I think so, too. If it's against Northwestern, absolutely. Old old man Fitz would get at least five tackles. Good for him. Um, yeah, for me it's the it's Rutgers just because if I, I entertainment value best player in Rutgers is Isaiah Pacheco. I'd rather watch him play. Um, and in that way I'd get two of them. Um, the second part of the question is what would a Penn State team that swapped positions, offense defense, look like, and could they beat Rutgers? Okay, so here's how we're gonna go about this. Um. Let's let's start with the Penn State defense flipping over to the offense. Okay. Who which starting defender do we want playing quarterback? I mean, it's got to be Micah, right? Uh, I was going to say Micah is running back and then you run him 40 times a game. Yeah, but he he was a running back in high school. That's so boring. That's true. Yeah. Give me Micah. Give me Micah at quarterback. Um so then if Micah's at quarterback, the running back oh, well, Lamont Wade played running back in high school too, so it's got to be Lamont Wade then. Yeah. But he'd be a good slot receiver too. He would be a good slot receiver. Give me a. No, it can't be him. Donovan Johnson's deaf. I don't care Robert if he's hurt. Windsor. I want. I want Donovan Johnson as a receiver. I'm putting Robert Windsor at running back. I'm just. I don't even care. I don't even care. I'm not. I'm not giving my reasoning. Just give me Robert Windsor at running back. That'd be hysterical. Um, as an offensive line, let's see. Um, I have mine. Give me. Give me uh, PJ Mustafer as That's a guard. Center. Oh. Uh, I want him. I want him as a guard. Okay, I'll put. Yeah. Um. I. I'll. I'll keep Windsor on the offensive line. I'll put him at the other guard. Coward. For my center. I'm really just trying to stick to the starters here. For my center, give me Jesse Lucetta. I was gonna go Jan Johnson. 
because he was the uh, he oh was that's the, a good one too uh, like third string long snapper at some point so he knows what he's doing that's a, a good bit. one too okay yeah I'll, we'll move Johnson to center I I think I think Lucado would fit really well on on the line though because yeah. he's big enough and he's fast enough to get to the second level that's fair I don't know about the other tackle spot do you have someone in mind um we're sticking with just starter just starters yeah um Antonio Shelton I guess is a starter but you have Mustafer on there um, oh right yeah must. Uh, I mean, we. They're co starters. Yeah, Antonio Shelton's yeah. in there at tackle. Okay, so then our receipt. Well, let's let's see. Who's our tight end? I feel like. Oh, oh Cam Brown. I was going to say Shaka. Oh, that's a good one, too. What do we do with Yitor? Oh, God. Fullback. <laughs> he's you're one he's and pretty one. You quick. got one. And it's a defensive I end. I. Yeah, we need another yeah. tackle. So does Etor? I feel like that's lame to have Etor as another tackle. No, he's too skinny. Yeah, he's not stopping anyone. Ah, uh, man, this is tough. This is the most. This is the most we're gonna think on this entire podcast. <laughs> this, is a, this is a difficult question. All right, well let, let's let's skip there for now. Let's go to the receivers. So we okay. have John uh, Reed. We have John Reed. Yep, I'd agree with that. Though he drops way too many picks for my liking. Might not be a great receiver. Yeah um donovan johnson i donovan johnson slash whatever third corner is in there i think he put out wide yep give me garrett taylor garrett garrett taylor is a hundred percent the the go up and get a guy every oh i was thinking every third and five garrett taylor third and five garrett taylor third Uh, and seven i was thinking that's cam brown Mm, see I, i was envisioning taylor as like the Jahan dotson of the defense okay all right that's fair Okay, so then if we flip it around, let's turn the offense into defense now. Okay. Oh, um, the def- I think the defensive line's pretty easy, right? It's it's mostly just an inverse of the. I mean, C.J. Thorpe is is the easy part. He played defensive tackle last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, well, I guess the defensive ends are different. Would be a little different. Can I can I have Will Levis in the scenario instead of Sean Clifford? Sure. Give me Levis as an outside linebacker. Okay. Just, uh, just absolutely just throwing himself like a missile at people. I could, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe too soon here, but put Justin Shorter at defensive end for me. Yeah, he would eat. Um, I, I feel like the K, KJ's got to either be a slot corner or a center field safety. That's the only place we can hide him on defense. Yeah. Pat Fryer with uh, the middle linebacker. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then Noah Kane, the other outside linebacker. That's like a good. Oh, I, I would, okay. That's a good linebacking core. Will Levis, Pat Fryer with Noah Kane. Yeah. That's fun. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, uh, I feel like, what are we, uh, cornerbacks. Who do we have left? I feel like we used all our receivers and running backs. Did we have Jahan yet? No, Jahan. Jahan's definitely Jahan. a corner. Yeah, Jahan's a corner. Um, KJ's another corner. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've, we've filled this in enough. So let's, yeah. let's move on to the question now. Could, they, could team. that team beat Rutgers? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Give me Jake Pinnaker at safety, the all-state safety. Oh, yes. I'm throwing him in there. So that's the X factor is your That is the X factor. Between Pinnaker and Thorpe, there would be some actual, like, real-life defenders there. So that's probably enough. Yeah, there would be talent there. Yeah, that's probably enough. Okay, cool. I like that. Let's stick with that. Good question. Um, Let's see. We have... Man, these are such serious questions. Um... Okay, from our good friend Speedo Mike, how do you cook your Brussels sprouts? 
Do you like Brussels sprouts? I do not. Uh, I'm a coward, mm. and I know I'm not. So I, he, I really like Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts with Holly. How does your dad cook Brussels sprouts? Okay, well they're they're bacon wrapped and oh, I don't know. Maybe he just like puts them on the puts them on the stove or something. Oh, this is my favorite food channel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for all all of your cooking needs, come to Roar Wildcats Radio. Um, okay, where are we at with uh, this? Is from at RMA one three six Ryan Albert. Where are we at with Ryan Ryan Franklin, baseball player? Where are we at with James Franklin's contract extension? And what are some of the caveats? More money for assistance, expedited facilities, upgrades, etc. Um, we don't know anything officially as far as when his contract extension will come. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that it will come. Probably, especially I, if, I, if USC fires Clay Helton, like we think we're going. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, I, I would guess that it probably comes before the bowl game. That yeah, that would, would be agree. my guess. Um, I think the common theme with his. Well, with his, he's only gotten one extension, I guess. Uh, I think the main thing back, he he obviously gained a higher year-to-year salary with that extension, but one of the big things was more money for assistance, and I think that's going to be his big, his big push with this next one. Because I disagree. Interesting. I think it's going to be facilities. Let let me let me finish my thought real quick, and then you're going to tell me why you disagree. I think he's going to need the more money for assistance to be able to hold on to Juwan Sater and Tyler Bowen. I think those guys i think he knows how important they are and i think he's gonna really need the money to pony for pony up for them but tell me about the facilities thoughts i uh, the reason i don't think it, uh it's not going to be that much for assistance is because i don't think brent pry or ricky ronnie have had all that impressive of a season and that they're going anywhere and i think you hired tyler bowen knowing he's a guy who has high aspirations and he's probably not going to be there very long uh cider i think cider is going to go to Whatever place gives him the best chance to succeed. I still think that's Penn State. And now his son is a walk-on on the team, if I'm not True. mistaken. Yep, so I think that is. gives him a reason to stay. Uh, as for facilities, Penn State's still behind in the arms race. It, it, as, as much better as things have gotten, there's a lot of ground to make up. So I think that's going to be his number one thing. He already has the money uh, from his last extension or a deeper pool to get up to assistance. And I just don't think it's the time right now where people are really knocking down the door for Penn State's assistance. Interesting. Fair enough. Um, kind of along that same vein, we were asked by Bryant Cavelli at Bryant Cavelli, uh, if we think Pry or Ronnie are up for any head coaching jobs this offseason. I think if you had asked that three weeks ago, the answer would probably be more positive. I think Brent Pry is always going to be a guy who's going to get a call or two every offseason just because he's had a an extended enough period of success. Ricky Ronnie... Uh, I I think it would probably take another year of successful offense. Um, also, Ron's whether... spoken about how he doesn't he's happy being an OC for his career. Yeah, he, he's been, yeah. He, he's spoken publicly. It's one thing to speak about that privately and have Franklin reference that, but to have him flat out come and say he wants to be an offensive coordinator doesn't want to be. Obviously, things change, and he's still a pretty young guy. But I, I don't think his mind's going to be changed after two years of a of a pretty of a pretty solid offense. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, eventually if a job, if he has like two or three more years of successful offensive play calling and then a job like Colorado State opens up, uh, he's a Colorado guy or act, yeah. I think if, if something something like that opens up, I think he probably takes a look at it, but probably not at this point. Yeah, um, I think there's a really good chance Penn State retains everybody from their coaching staff, which is huge. Yeah, that'd be massive. All right. Um, Keep Matt Lyon to... forever. Matt Lyon <laughs> The offensive line's improved, and every time I tweet a picture of Bruce Springsteen, he likes it, so I'm biased. 
I this is have, true. I don't even have to tag him. He'll find it, and I'm gonna like we're, it. We're gonna amazing. we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him on the pod this off season. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first ever Roar Lines Radio intermission. Um, unfortunately, Matt and I were not able to finish the podcast that we started recording due to uh, time constraints on my end. Not his fault, but uh, it, as always, you know, if you have any complaints, just send them on over to at PSUMatt2005 on Twitter. Um, but because Matt is unable to join me for the end of this, I'm just going to go ahead and finish this out on my own, answer, last, answer the last uh, few questions that we got here. Um, so right after the little... In, uh, intermission music here, then we'll just go ahead and keep rolling. All right, and we are back. Uh, like I mentioned before, unfortunately, Matt is not going to be able to join us for the rest of this podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and answer these last few questions that we had roll in. Uh, just go ahead and do that on my own. Um, a couple different people, Nick Ferraco at underscore Ferraco, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, and at chardmacden12, um, as well as a couple a couple others who are asking questions about uh, Justin Shorter and why, why we think he entered the portal. Uh, it, it's really an impossible question to answer right now. I'm sure as we, as more information comes out, if he does end up actually transferring, then we will learn a little bit more about why why that came to be. Um, it, it's it's certainly odd timing. He seemed to have won, like we talked about before. We he had seemed to have won his starting role back, and definitely did seem like he was in line to be a bigger part of the offense next year. Um, but if, if he does end up transferring and if KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth both go to the NFL, then yeah, Penn state's going to be in an interesting spot depth wise when it comes to receiving options. Uh, they'll still have a guys, guys like Daniel George who have had their chance. They've had their moments, still a really young guy too. George could still end up being pretty great receiver. They'll still have Jahan Dotson around. So, uh, and of course that's not to mention the incoming recruits, a guy like Parker Washington looks like someone who could be able to, produce pretty early on in his Penn State career but yeah it it would definitely be it it would be quite a hole to climb out of if Penn State enters next year without Justin Shorter without KJ Hamler and without Pat Fryermuth Um, you would hope that the development of Sean Clifford would make it a little easier to overcome that but you know at this point just just a little little too early to say for sure Um, at brace underscore music b-r-e-i-s underscore music asked why isn't the development of the wide receivers being addressed ever since Gaddis left outside of KJ and Jahan it's been abysmal I look at guys like Polk and JJ meaning Juwan Johnson who are now dominating at their new schools and wonder what happened so I think part of this does come back to the fact that Penn State has had three receivers coaches in three years with Josh Gaddis uh, David Corley and now Jared Parker the the whole David Corley thing, he's taken a lot of flack for being a terrible receivers coach, and I'm, really he was. But you got to remember too that he actually wasn't brought in to be a receivers coach. He was brought in to be the running backs coach. But when uh, Juwan Sater became available, that that's the kind of coach that you do whatever you can to get on your staff. So unfortunately for Corley, that meant moving to receiver, which is something that he you know that that that's not what he was here to do. And I would have to imagine that that turnover at the position for the position coach has made a big difference. Um, but as far as guys like Brandon Polk, you know, Brandon Polk struggled with the drops last year. And a lot of that could be mental. He's now at James Madison and, or I think, I believe he's at James Madison and doing really well. A lot of that for him just could come to confidence and kind of the same story for Juwan Johnson because Juwan Johnson, the talent was always there. No one ever doubted that. 
it it just came down to his ability to make good on it. And I think at Oregon, he's you know he had a great his first game back there. He did, did some good things, and he's just continually had more and more passes fed to him. And you know it, it, every pass, he's just gained confidence. I it's it's not like Juwan Johnson was disaster here at Penn State. His um, not the last season. His 2017 season was great. I mean, he he didn't have the touchdown production, but as a number two behind Deshaun Hamilton, he was an excellent receiver for Penn State. He had a rough 2018 to be sure, but it's not like he it's not like he did nothing while he was in Happy Valley. It's that one. It, it's just you know it it just comes down to confidence. I think sometimes with those guys. Um, at NK, NTK 142011, Nate said, can current coaching staff make the jump to elite? O-line has been a continuous underproducing unit. Even now that the talent is back up, the defense seems to show cracks against the pass consistently. Ronnie calls half to three quarters of a good game, some execution, but terrible call choices. So really, this seems just a critique of the coaching staff in general. I'll just go piece by piece there with the things he mentioned. The offensive line, you know, I... I mean, I guess you could say that they are still underproducing. I I don't know. The offensive line really, for the most part, has been pretty good this year. And, of course, this question is going to come after a game against Ohio State. Ohio State has an absolutely, absolutely elite defensive line. That, for my money, is the best defensive line in the entire country. So to say that the offensive line is underperforming because they couldn't completely neutralize that line is just a ludicrous statement. Um, I think overall this year, the offensive line has taken a lot of strides. Michael Mennett has been excellent at center. I know the miscommunications there with Will Levis at the end of the game against Ohio State caused a few fans to, you know, maybe change their opinion on him. But that, that I think, has more to do with Levis than anything. But overall, I think the offensive line has actually been pretty good. Rasheed Walker... You remember this dude's just a redshirt freshman. He for what he for his the amount of experience he has, he's been really excellent this year. He looks like someone who could be an all conference type performer as the as the years go on for him. Steven Gonzalez at left guard, you know, he he is what he is. He's he's really been that guy for a few years now. He's not going to jump off the page at you, but he's solid enough. Mike Miranda and CJ Thorpe on the right side, they both have their strengths, they have their weaknesses. It's you know, CJ Thorpe seems to be the more talented guy. If he can put it all together, he he's already a great run blocker. If he can improve his pass blocking, there's no reason why he can't be an all-conference type guy. And then on the right side, Will Fries has he has shown some flashes of greatness, like in uh, 2016 when he completely neutralized Rashawn Gary and when Michigan came into town for the whiteout. But overall, you know, he's he's been serviceable as a right tackle. There's a reason he was a three-star recruit. He was not a highly touted kid necessarily, but I think for what he was, I think the staff has actually done a pretty good job of getting what they can out of him. But the good news is that there is continually more offensive line talent coming in every single year. And more than any other position, offensive line is was always going to be the spot that took the longest to get to that elite level, especially where it was coming from. Bill O'Brien just did not, he did not emphasize recruiting offensive linemen during his two years there, which is understandable. He he was going for the skill guys, the guys that would kind of help Penn State make big plays and kind of stay above water there. So rebuilding the offensive line recruiting is something that Franklin and um, Herb Hand and Matt Limegrover have had to work on consistently throughout Franklin's tenure. Um, you know, as far as the others, 
the, I mean, the defense showing cracks. Sure. They, they had, they had their issues against Minnesota and Indiana, but I, th- I think with how little we saw Tariq Castro fields against Ohio state, I think it's fair to start wondering how healthy he ever really was because the past defense against Ohio state was pretty great for the most part. Trent Gordon looked awesome. He only played a few snaps, but he had that huge pass breakup. Really, the only glaring mistake I remember from the Ohio State game was where John Reed just got absolutely torched on a double move by Chris Olave, and that was the uh, the touchdown to get Ohio State up to 28. But, I I mean, I, I can talk about why I think calls for this coaching staff's heads are out of line and ridiculous all day long, but... You know, at some point, maybe it's next year. Maybe next year is the kind of the do-or-die year for a lot of those guys with the talent that looks like it's is going to be returning. But I think any, I, th- I think calling this staff, maybe they're not elite, elite, but I think they're pretty close. And maybe Ricky, maybe Ricky Ronnie isn't that guy. Maybe he's not that elite offense coordinator. I think next year is really the year we can really truly judge him um, with not a first time. I mean. Think about his quarterbacks. He had Trace McSorley, who was injured for over half the season, and then he has a first-year quarterback in Sean Clifford. I think next year, with a second-year quarterback, regardless of what receivers are there, next year is the year where we can really start judging Ricky Ronnie, in my opinion. Um, Let's see. Any other questions we had here? How long until the rumors start about the Scarlet Narduzzi's? Um, I'm recording the second half of this podcast on Wednesday now. It does sound like... Greg Schiano and Rutgers maybe have not completely closed the book on each other. So I would say that Pat Narduzzi probably does not end up at Rutgers, unfortunately, as funny as that would be. Um, Natty Fran at Nat Ryan seven asked, he said, I know I'm supposed to care about the Rose bowl or orange bowl or whatever the hell bowl, but I don't, I've tried to care, but I don't. Once the college football playoff spot is over, why should we give a rat's behind about a glorified exhibition? I think this is a good question because this was always going to be what happened when college football implemented a implemented a playoff. If you think to, you know, if you're thinking about major or um think about the National Football League, the NFL. If they played a let's see six teams make the playoffs from each division, if they had a 7-8 game to decide who is 7th place, would anyone really care about it? Would anyone watch it? Would the players really care? Unless they had specific bonuses tied into a certain amount of wins, no. So that part of this is just a function of having a playoff. When there's this very tangible, this, when there's this tangible, you make it into the the uh, just the the top of the top postseason, then you feel like you've done your job, and if you don't, you feel like you're missing out. But college football is such a different. It's such a different landscape than every other sport, especially the professional sports. Because we're talking about 130 teams, and only four of them are making this playoff for now. I do think it'll expand sooner sooner rather than later, but only four teams are making this playoff. If your only standard for what you can care about at the end of a college football season is being one of those four teams, a tiny, tiny fraction of the college football landscape, if that's all you can care about, then I, I just can't really help you. There's a lot of things that are great about bowl games. First and foremost, for the players, they they get a chance to go play against an opponent that they don't they probably don't normally get to see. Uh, they get a chance to go to a cool place. They get a chance. It's it's a great chance for younger guys to get a chance to play. Um, 
if you think back to the, ooh, whoa. Was it the Tax Slayer Bowl? Whatever the, the Christian Hackenberg's last game, we got to see Trace McSorley in about three quarters of work at that point, maybe slightly more than that. We got, we got a little introduction to what he can do. The Rose Bowl, if you think back to 2016, the Rose Bowl, yeah, they didn't, Penn State didn't win, but that was one of the most exciting bowl games. That was one of the most exciting Rose Bowls ever, maybe only behind the Texas USC National Championship Rose Bowl. I mean, there's a lot to care about with bowl games. It's it's just a fun it's a fun thing. It's it it extends the season just that much longer. That's one less month of off season you have to worry about. It's it's just a different it's such a different thing. No other sport has something like that where you get a chance to go prove one more time against another team that was good enough in the season to earn that spot. I mean most times you're playing a team that's pretty on par with your talent level. And really, why would you not why would you not be interested in that? Why are you not interested in seeing Penn State play against Utah or Oregon? Like either of those games are really interesting matchups against teams that they hardly ever play. So I don't blame anyone for not caring about bowl games if it's not the college football playoff, but I I, I personally can't relate to that. I think bowl games are a lot of fun, and I'm not sure it, it would take something like it being a... Like if they if they were to go back to the tax slayer ball, sure. That would be a lot less interesting. But if it's a high profile, especially a New Year's six game, that's always gonna have my attention. Um let's see. One last question here from Dave, right? At Dave M R E A. Do we have a problem with developing receivers or do we have a problem with spreading the ball around on offense? This is a I I think and this is kind of tied into Justin Shorter. KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth have far and away led the team in targets this year. I don't think that's a function of what Ricky Ronnie calls an offense or what the offensive play callers are doing. I think that really just comes down more, comes more down to Sean Clifford. Down more, more down. Comes down on Sean Clifford. And it's not even, it's not surprising. He's a first year guy. He's still learning to go through those passing progressions. He's gotten a lot better at it with this as the season has gone on, but he's still very much learning. And when he has a guy like KJ Hamler, who he's been throwing to at recruiting camp since freshman year of high school, and when you have a guy like Pat Fryermuth, who's always open and never drops passes, of course those are going to be the guys you want to throw to throw the ball to. I'm not saying that he doesn't trust Justin Shorter or Jah- or didn't trust Justin Shorter or doesn't trust Jahan Dotson because I, I I don't think he would say that. I don't think he would say he's uncomfortable throwing the ball to any of those other guys. But for a young quarterback, when the pocket starts to break down, who are you going to look to? You're going to look to those guys that you know are going to go make a play for you because you've seen them make plays for you. KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth are two of the best receiving options in college football. I don't think it's a bad thing that he wants to get them the ball. Now, will that end up being an issue next year when they're gone? Do you think? Do we think that he will lock onto two new guys? Will he start to spread the ball around? Maybe that when we see that, that'll tell us more about who Sean Clifford is as a quarterback because maybe he is someone that's really just one read, two reads each play. Maybe he's not going to go through his entire passing progression, which is not uncommon for college football. There's a lot of guys that are great college quarterbacks because they can throw the ball to the guys that are supposed to be open, but the truly transcendent ones are the ones that can see the entire field and find the guy that is open, not the guy that's supposed to be open. But I I think that comes 
comes down a lot more to Sean Clifford than to anyone else personally. Um, and from what I can see, I think that's I think that's mostly it with the questions. I think we covered anything. If we didn't, if I missed a question, I do apologize. We will we'll have plenty of plenty of time to ask for questions uh, in the lead up to the bowl game. I'm sure we'll do another another round of asking for questions as well. Um, really quickly, it dawned on me that we did not actually go around the rest of the Big Ten schedule. So just very quickly along with Penn State playing against Rutgers this week um, at, let's see, on Friday, November 29th. That's my birthday, by the way, if you want to say some nice things to me on Twitter. Um, Friday, November 29th, number 17, Iowa is visiting Nebraska. The game starts at 11.30 a.m. Uh, I keep doing that. I'm on Pacific time. It's going to start at 2.30 East Coast time for most of you, since most of you are there. Iowa's favored, favored by five and a half. Nebraska played pretty well last week against if memory serves they played maryland yeah that's right they smashed maryland but iowa i was a good football team and nebraska even though they've shown flashes have yet to do it against an actual good team so i'm gonna go ahead and say that iowa wins this one fairly comfortably i think they're able to beat the spread on that also in the Big Ten, of course, we have the game at noon on Saturday, November 30th. Number one, Ohio State visiting number 13, Michigan. Last I checked, this line was um, Ohio State minus nine. Now it's minus 8.5. To me, this game, everything about this game screams close at half. Ohio State pulls away and wins by 20 in the end. It's just there's there's just a lot of firepower on that Ohio State offense. Now, Maybe Michigan was able to see some cracks in Ohio State's defense from what Penn State was able to do with the kind of the power option game with Will Levis and Journey Brown, and maybe they're able to exploit that. But Shea Patterson does not strike me as the guy that can run a power option. That being said, Patterson has been throwing the ball a lot better recently, really since the second half of the Penn State game. So who knows? I, I would I would say smart money is on Ohio State covering that line, though, especially with the recent history, because if they get up early – those Michigan players are they're very much going to fall back into the here we go again mindset in my opinion also at noon we have Northwestern visiting Illinois Illinois favored by eight and a half points imagine a world where Illinois is favored by eight and a half points in a conference game against a team that's not Rutgers or Maryland that's amazing um yeah I I Illinois is going to win this game Illinois is a better football team than Northwestern we joke a lot about Northwestern on here for good reason. Northwestern's terrible. Also at noon, Indiana visiting Purdue. Indiana favored by six and a half. This is a rivalry game, so you kind of got to throw the records out a little bit, but Indiana is a much, much better football team than Purdue. Purdue's been really, they've been really good considering the injuries they've had to deal with. David Bell is an absolute star. He has 77 catches, just a yard shy of 900 yards on the season. He is Purdue next year is going to be scary good with um, with Rondell Moore and David Bell on the outside. They're going to be a nightmare for other teams to deal with. But right now, they're just not that good. And Indiana's a pretty great football team. So they should be able to cover that. Um, also at 3.30, along with Rutgers and Penn State, number 12, Wisconsin visiting number 8, Minnesota. Pretty important game if you are worried about Penn State getting back into the Rose Bowl, which I believe most of us are. 
in order for that to happen, it would seem that the ideal scenario would be for Wisconsin to beat Minnesota this week and then Ohio State to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten West because this game that's what this game is for. It's for the Big Ten West at this point. The winner will play the Buckeyes. Uh, Wisconsin is favored by three points. This is going to be this is going to be a battle because Minnesota and Wisconsin are not necessarily similar teams. Um, I, I would say Minnesota has a little bit more. Minnesota has more firepower through the air, while Wisconsin can get it done on the ground a little bit more. Obviously, with Jonathan Taylor, but this should be a pretty good football game. I think Wisconsin will win. I think their defense will be the difference in this one. I think it's going to be close though. I would I would predict something like Wisconsin. 28 Minnesota 27 so if you are throwing money on this game I would I would take Minnesota and the points if I were you and then finally Maryland visiting Michigan State at 330 on FS1 Michigan State favored by 22 points had Maryland put up any semblance of a fight against Nebraska last week I would be inclined to pick Maryland here but they it's, it's just that time of year for Maryland. Every single year, they just gradually fall further and further down the slope until they reach their their un, uninspiring conclusion to the season. They look lifeless. Mike Loxley looks lifeless. The whole program, the direction of the program, every, everything is going the wrong direction for Maryland. And as much as I don't trust Michigan State, I think they will do enough to be able to beat Maryland. And in doing so, Michigan State will get their sixth win and be bowl eligible. I'm not sure they cover 22 points. I don't, I'm not sure Michigan State can score that much. But with Maryland being so bad, something like Michigan State 38, Maryland 10 feels pretty right. And that'd be 28 points. So, yeah, I guess I'll say Michigan State covers. Um, and that's it for the Big Ten. Um, once again, Penn State taking on Rutgers Senior Day, 3.30 on Big Ten Network. Tickets apparently now are down to $9 if you want to sneak over there after Thanksgiving and check it out. But really, it should be a pretty straightforward game for Penn State. Um, and that should get them to 10-2 and two on the season, which is a major accomplishment and something that we will talk about more in the recap podcast uh, once again, sorry we couldn't finish this with Matt. Sorry you had to listen to just me for the second half of the podcast, but I'm pretty great, so I think it's not that bad. As always, if you are if you like the show, please support it by following on Spotify or subscribing on iTunes, subscribing wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you have the chance, please leave us a review, five-star review. Um, you can leave a comment and tell me about how unenjoyable the second half of this show was with just listening to my voice all, all over and over again. Um, but any review really does help. It's very much appreciated. If you're interested in supporting the website, we also have the store over at RoarLinesRoar.com. We have some great merchandise. would be fantastic holiday gifts. Um, it The stuff really is. It's super soft. It's amazing. We've never heard a bad review on the shirts. Um, so if you, need a, if you need a quick holiday present for the Penn State fan in your life, please go ahead and check that out. And we may even have a holiday sale coming up here soon, a Black Friday type deal. Um, I think that's about it for our, for for my end at this point. Um, so for myself and my co-host Matt from the first half of this episode, thanks for listening. And as always, go state. Hey, hey, hey,